0: Welcome to this Arts and Heritage podcast hosted by National Trust Senior National Curator and Arts and Heritage Board Member Lucy Porton. In this episode we celebrate the 10th anniversary of Arts and Heritage with friends and co-founders Judith King and Tamandra Nichols. They reflect on the early years of their relationship going back 25 years as well as the origins of Arts and Heritage and its vision to bring contemporary art into heritage spaces from the first commission at Beacon Arts Lincoln, to their proudest moments and unrealised visions, we discuss how arts and heritage sought to forge new connections between art, audience and place. Along the journey, we take some long drives, punctuated by late-night conversations in travel lodges and fuelled by much-needed G&Ts.
1: <laughs> so, Hello. I can think of no better way of passing some time than talking to the two of you, but it might be best to start by just introducing who we are for the recording. So um, I'm Lucy Porton. I'm a senior national curator with the National Trust, and I'm very glad that I was uh, someone who commissioned Arts and Heritage some years ago now, and have worked over closely since, and I'm now sitting on the board of trustees. Judith, shall we
2: come to you next? Oh, yes. Uh, so I'm Judith King. Um, I'm now Artistic Advisor to Arts and Heritage. But um, I am one of the founding directors of Arts and Heritage, and I have been curating contemporary art projects in historic sites for some time. Some may say too long a time. (laughs) (laughs) Over to you, Timandra.
3: Surely not, Judith. Never too long a time. Uh, I'm Timandra Nichols. I'm also one of the founding directors of Arts and Heritage, now retired, but still on the board My background has always been in arts development and Judith and I and uh, working together have gone back many, many years. But Arts and Heritage is now about 12 years old.
1: It seems like a very good place to have a, a, to recollect, I suppose, all the things that have come before. So perhaps a little predictably, but nonetheless, the right place to start is perhaps with the origins of Arts
2: and Heritage. Can you just tell us how the two of you met? Oh, Simandra, why don't you bring up the... uh... Shall so I bring interview. up a very
3: embarrassing time for Judith? Yes,
2: please do. There's many of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's part of
3: um, um, our history, I think, that we we tend to meet people at interviews. And I first met Judith when she was interviewed for a job and it was hugely competitive. And this was back in, I think, about 1995. Hugely competitive and she didn't actually get the job. But then another job came along and I just thought, hmm, she would be good for that one. And I approached her and said, was well, she interested? And of course she was. And uh, she took up that job. And that job was working at Belsay, which is an English heritage property. So, Judith, take over from there.
2: <laughs> yes, I remember it well, Tim. I had two small children. Uh, I had recently le- relocated from London to the North East and... Uh, in London, I was a practising artist, a painter, and showing my work and having a studio. But, uh, and then two children came along and I partnered up with another artist, which financially is not a good thing to do, really, let's be honest, <laughs> for financial reasons. Um, and we, we relocated to the northeast, and I had worked in organising sort of art programming with the London Borough of Lambeth this job came up in the Northeast and I thought, well, I'll go for it. I I just, I do have a tendency of just thinking, well, let's just go for things. Why not? So I went for the interview uh, and very quickly found myself completely out of my depth when they were talking about funding, the funding um, landscape and how I was going to secure funding and, and all sorts of things I didn't know anything about. But one thing I did know about, was art, an artist. So I think that's where Tamandra spotted someone who knew their subject but didn't necessarily have the experience in other areas. So she took a chance, really. Well, not
3: exactly. I can remember you being asked by one of the panel um, what you thought of the Turner Prize winner Yes. And it had been announced the night before the interview. It was a very unfair question. I don't think anybody else had been asked that question. Now, Judith being Judith and an artist and really interested in all artists, of course, knew who the Turner Prize winner was. Who was Judith? Anthony Gormley. Anthony Gormley. <laughs> Gormley. <laughs> so I thought, right, this woman's OK. So when this other job came up, I thought, right. So I approached her and she said, yes. And we, we worked closely together. Then didn't we, Judith?
2: That's right. I remember you ringing me up and saying, "Well, you haven't got that that uh, that job, but would you be interested in this?" And I said yes immediately, because I'd actually I'd been to Belsay Hall, and it was it had as soon as I went into the this sort of empty neoclassical historic house, I thought, "This is extraordinary. This is very strange," and it really excited me. That very even as a visitor. And so when you said, well, it's a project at Belsay Hall, uh, I was immediately sort of uh, excited by that idea. I also wanted um, uh, heating in my house at that point, so I would have probably said (laughs) yes to anything. But it was a really exciting, it was a very exciting opportunity, which I jumped at. Well, it was. And, And to explain, the project was
3: living at Belsay, which was part of the Year of Visual Arts 1996, and it was uh, the big craft project for the northeast um, that had won the Year of Visual Arts 1996. Well, actually, it was across the North, wasn't it? Yeah, Um, it was. Because it was Cumbria as well. Um, And uh, Judith was really the project manager for this project where we commissioned some, um, and I'm going to say, People working in craft really to refurnish the empty um, Beltham Hall, so it sort of started from there, didn't it, Judith?
2: Yes, that's right. And you were you you kind of um, you were my mentor, weren't you, Tamandra, Really, you were. You sort. Of... I don't
3: think so. We we well,
2: set up a. If I remember, we set up a panel
3: with um, Martin Alfre of English Heritage, yeah. and uh, Professor James Moore, who sadly died um but he was the um director of the dovecut studios in edinburgh tapestry weaving Mm -hmm. and he was the um dean of um design design at um university of northumbria so we had a sort of a curatorial panel for example we needed martin on there to make sure that we weren't doing anything too terrible to a historic site this was early days of commissioning in historic sites wasn't it Judith so
2: yes he was very worried
3: but it was very good Mm. to have him within that and we we did it this way by brainstorming and thinking of artists that would be interested in responding to the unique character of Belsey Hall and refurnishing it in a contemporary way for a temporary period
2: Mm. and nobody was doing it Lucy at that time really no uh, there were very few people that were that were sort of Bringing contemporary art practice into historic places or heritage sites, and 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 it was because Belsay was so odd in that it was empty that you could actually fill it with sort of imagination and 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 these contemporary design, uh, you know, furniture and curtains and. Rugs and all sort and seating and and bring it alive again, because it 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 was a very static place quite forlorn, but bringing in contemporary craft and design made it look like a house again, a home yeah and so it it was very successful it It was a very successful project actually um that that brought in a lot of visitors and demonstrated that you could do, you could actually enliven the place and make it relevant by by doing something else with it rather than interpretation panels. Yeah. So, so, so it was an exciting
3: time. We we both lived in Hexham at the time and uh, we became friends as well as
1: colleagues, I suppose. And so from there, who suggested forming Arts and Heritage and how did that come about? Oh. <laughs>
3: Jude you well you you'd been commissioned to do some research by the Arts Council, yeah?
2: Yes. I, I managed... Somebody approached me and said, would you like to do some research? You know, get be paid to do some research, which when you're a freelance person, you just don't get that time. You're just always chasing work. Um, and it was a marvellous opportunity. It was the Arts Council England's... Uh, the Clearing, it was called. Actually, I remember it now. Uh, and I was actually funded to do some research. So it was time to go and talk to people about who had also worked in in this sort of area like james putnam who'd worked with the british museum uh in the 1990s and and also talking to and looking at other historic places like dr johnson's house and so just going and talking to people and it was it was a fantastic time um just absorbing what the potential of what could be done was brilliant actually so then we started talking didn't we to Mandra? we did and it's usually over a
3: gin and tonic i have to say but you uh, said judith had done all this research and um we're discussing well what next you know having done all this and found out all this information and so on and the more we talked the more we decided that actually what it was needed was an agency that would take this idea forward that it was possible to commission in historic sites and places and museums and so on. And um, so we developed a a business case between us. (laughs) And we touted it to the Arts Council. And I can remember distinctly initially them saying, well, who's going to fund this? So that, that was a bit of a sort of, you know, initially negative because we thought, what a good idea, didn't we, Judith? We did, we knew it was a good idea, didn't we, to We knew we it was knew. a good idea, so we weren't deterred. We decided to do it anyway, so um, we just
2: did, didn't we? We went to the bank. We set up a business account. Yeah. We called ourselves Arts and Heritage because we didn't want we wanted it to to sort of say what it it did. You know, um, you know, a simple a simple title, Arts and Heritage. Went to the bank, set it up. We had no money, so we created our own logo. (laughs) Yes. And then we
3: started getting a bit of work. So it was really working as two freelancers, but under the umbrella of arts and heritage. And we started picking up bits of work, didn't we, Judith?
1: And so what was the first bit of paid work that you undertook as arts and heritage? It was in Lincoln.
3: Yes, yes. Was it Beacon Arts? Yes. We, we did some work with visioning with their board of uh, trustees. So it, it was a very small piece of work, Lucy, but my goodness, um, weren't we proud of ourselves, Judith? <laughs> we did,
2: yes. We kind of instinctively knew what we were doing. I think, you know, at this point, Lucy, and I must say, we, Timandra and I have um, different skills, complementary skills, and I think we, we kind of instinctively know how to work together. Yeah. which is, is quite, you know, it's quite rare, really, because I um I think up until... I'd always been working on my own as sort of a uh, sole trader. Uh, and uh, just with Tamandra, she's got a different way of looking at things than me, and it really helped. We had a really good balance between us. So I think it was a kind of, again, an instinctive sort of uh, pairing and relationship and knowing... knowing how we could work together you're a bit more sensible aren't you tim andrew than me do you think oh i don't well, know I'll actually i oh. have, have on occasion saying
3: judith no we're not doing one of those again don't you remember how much time it took <laughs> but yes. that's another story
1: <laughs> as someone who sat on the opposite of, side of the table and actually interviewed i think that's very apparent very quickly that not only the chemistry that the two of you have but how well you complement each other and i don't think either one of you is always in the same role you swap a little bit i think as and when is needed but that's i think the strength actually as someone who's worked with you that you complement each other so well and you almost get the two the two points of view forming something very wonderful between you um is yeah is a very wonderful thing arts and heritage has benefited from it enormously so from that project where did it go next how did it grow from there well Judith, it has to be
2: the, the great boxing booth revival, doesn't it? Yes, yes. We we kind of started getting a bit more work. From from Beacon Arts we started getting work. We worked with Kew Gardens for a while. Yeah. We did a, a strategy for them. Uh, and we were we were sort of our names were becoming sort of known as as curators that could could do, could an organisation that could sort of bring those two sectors together. You know that difficult. It's a difficult relationship bringing heritage and the arts together sometimes, um, and because uh, they have opposing views sometimes, sometimes. So we sort of occupy that middle ground. Um, so we work with a little bit of com- consultancy, Kew Gardens, uh, and then uh, I think really for me, it the big project came with that with the box, a great boxing booth revival, where. Um, it was during the Cultural Olympiad year, and I, I like talking to people. I like I like sort of talking to people, and finding out what their interests are. And I remember talking to it was a former Guardian sports writer, Harry Pearson, and we were talking about Cumbrian and and uh, Westmorland wrestling, and I got really interested in it, and started sort of forming an idea, and then I bounced it to Timandra, who. And We sort of talked about it and she looked at me a bit quizzically. Well, yes. Were you convinced, Timandra?
3: I think I was convinced, and it was when we started talking about it. I mean, I'm I'm a sort of shaper of things. Um, Judith has has uh the, the creative sort of perhaps madder ideas, and together we have the same intention. And so we was Judith was telling me about this, and we were starting talking about how we could make it practically work and so for the cultural olympia we thought well we needed to tour it to um the sort of fairs and um agricultural fairs in the north of england well actually we thought wider than that we soon realized that it was going to be impossible so we kept it to the north didn't we judith
2: yeah we did and we had to bring sport and the art together didn't we yeah. because it was a cultural olympia. So we we, we were thinking, how can you do that? And I was interested in these boxing booths that traveled the fairgrounds in the 18th century and 19th century and 20th century. So we just thought, well, why don't we bring it back in some form? We obviously can't do boxing, can't do wrestling because we'd be, I don't know, well, we can't do it health and safety wise. So um, we started thinking creatively about how we could do it, bringing sport and the arts together and just thought about performance. In the widest possible way sport as in fencing you know the, the the performance of fencing the performance of uh parkour the performance of singing and we then sort of together develop this program of different people doing different things within a, a boxing ring and then taking it to the agricultural fairs. It was a terrible risk, wasn't it? Because I, we hadn't, I, actually, I'd never worked with performers before. So, and I'd come up with this idea and then the reality of how you programme performance within a, a ring or something was was quite daunting. But as ever... Timandra smoothed the way through.
3: But it was was quite because, you know, it started as an idea and you write a proposal and you go out to fund it. And actually, you know, to give the Arts Council their due, they thought, you know, here are these sort of slight maverick couple wanting to do this bizarre idea, taking art out into agricultural fairs, and they supported us. So with our budget, we bought an actual boxing ring to put in the marquee and we bought an actual marquee and then we got an artist to design the facade and as judy says we researched different performers who could do things we had extraordinary performers, didn't we do we had yeah, we did. Um, we did. opera singers sparring yeah. um you know in song wearing yeah. um gloves and then there were the um bad taste yeah. crew weren't there the break dancers the um doing an amazing piece didn't they that was a sort of yeah as if as if they were boxers in the ring um you know but it was all performed you know to dance and then of course martin hilton and andreas
2: yeah they we, we commissioned new work from them so they were all paid to come up with a new we had the shouted play do you remember the Play that was shouted, with, Eldred, with, Yeah, I remember trying to sort of sell this idea to various people, and they looking at me sort of askance, thinking, mm, "What do you mean?" Uh, but some people really got it. Yeah. Uh, but then we took and we took it to the agricultural shows and the uh, uh, and the village fairs in a horse box with an artist like Carl von Weiler who was uh, driving the horse box. So it was great fun. It was absolutely great fun it was a huge amount of work a massive amount of work very stressful at times but huge fun and we you know we got stuck in muddy fields and we it, it there was so many things happened but it was a real um i think that project was really quite important in revealing what was important to us and that was audience you know, yeah. you know a different audience we we are not we don't work in a gallery situation we are all about sort of outside of that gallery and in into the landscape into a different um p- space i suppose with different yeah. people uh and i think that that revealed that to us that so that's the lifeblood of of uh, arts and heritage was about audience in a way i think that's absolutely true that
3: it's um it's, it's thinking about that first rather than the top-down approach. It's like, how can you engage people in what you want to show them or uh, reveal to them and so on? And it's very important, I think, to everything we've done.
1: Mm. I think that sense of joy and adventure really comes across, and I hear the hunger that you have to reach different audiences. So, but you've worked in such a diverse number of places and with, with so many different people. Of all the projects you've worked with, which is the one that you're most proud of?
3: Ooh,
1: Tamandra, what do you think? I don't know. I, I don't think proud of,
3: I because actually I'm proud of really quite a lot of what we've done. That sounds a bit uh, immodest. But we have done some extraordinary things in extraordinary places and actually working in those extraordinary places has given us the opportunity to do these extraordinary things and working with extraordinary artists as well. I'm going to mention one because it's... Um, We worked at Bishop Auckland Palace, and they wanted to commission an artist for their chapel. And I'd recently been to St Paul's Cathedral, and St Paul's had commissioned um, Bill Viola to do a, I don't know what, you it's not a triptych, because there were four panels, I think, called The Martyrs. And Bill Viola's work is absolutely extraordinary. And I remember seeing this and thinking how extraordinary it was. And when Judith and I were discussing what we could do at Bishop Auckland, and I thought, actually, and I'm sorry, St Paul's, but the martyrs in St Paul's, the scale doesn't quite work. St Paul's is massive. And, you know, the work isn't that massive, even though it's in a sort of side chapel. I'm sort of thinking it would work at Bishop Auckland Palace. So we, we discussed this and, you know, also the, They were very ambitious of the type of artists they wanted to work with. So we approached Bill Viola's agent and uh, commissioned, you know, an edition of this which fits behind the altar in that chapel and, to me, looks absolutely stunning because it's almost like it was made for
2: that place. Mm, That was a good project. It did. It it looked really... It really, really sat very well within within the, the
3: chapel. The, the, the scale was right. Everything was right yeah, about was that. Right. So, yeah. yeah, it was right. And, of course, you know, brilliant artists.
2: So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Judith? Brilliant. What do you think? Well, you know, it's difficult because we've done really some, we've done some very small projects, which I've absolutely loved, with Shandy Hall, Shandy Hall, part of the Meeting Point programme. You know, we've met some um, such fantastic people uh, and such lovely places throughout our career. But uh, I, I did enjoy Shandy Hall. I enjoyed the the sort of um, finding out about uh, Lawrence Stern from the curator, and and I and I loved that. I think that that was a very quiet project with it Amber Beeky Moo. very, I really liked that that, that project, and I have enjoyed work. I have so enjoyed working with artists, you know, all over the from the well-known to the to the less well-known i've really enjoyed it and the last one we did with susan phillips um oh, which was yeah. part which was part of the research project with newcastle university was very poignant a very poignant piece uh sound piece for the upper bedrooms which i i, I really sta- has stayed with me some some of the artist's work have really stayed with me and and um Susan Phillips was one, and Anthony Hegarty was one. Actually, for the sellers of the um, of Anthony and the Johnsons, Anonay, it's a sound
3: work that sometimes works really well. I'm going to mention another one, actually, um, Lucy, which is a National Trust project at Standen, which is one of my favourite National Trust places. We had a really good working relationship there with a couple of gardeners who actually managed the commission, and Will Shannon's Bothy, which I think is still there, it is, was a lovely project where Will worked with materials from the local sort of surroundings and created this Bothy up on the cliff above the house in the same vernacular, I think, as the house itself, so arts and crafts and so on. To me, it's just a, it's a perfect embodiment of how somebody has taken the ethos of a place and created something contemporary and relevant now.
1: And you've mentioned enjoyment quite a lot, particularly you do this in your answers, and it's obviously a very important part of the whole process, not least because what it translates when you, when you deliver something, when the commission is realised. Which of the artists you've worked with
2: have you enjoyed working with most? Oh, that's a really tricky one, Lucy. That is a tricky one. Which of the artists I've enjoyed? I just, I love working with artists. Um, I really have enjoyed working with people who I probably think I wouldn't enjoy working with. So contemporary dance isn't something that comes, you know, it's not a a thing that I I make, I go out of my way to go and see. But working with Martin Hilton was a a delight. I, I actually like stepping into worlds that I don't know anything about. So, for instance, when I work with the fashion designers, you know, I mean, yeah. There was, it's another world, and I, that's what I like. I like stepping into worlds that I don't really feel comfortable in uh, and finding out what's, what's there. But, uh, you know, I don't think there's been artists that i really not enjoyed working with, although there's some who've been quite memorable the working relationship what would you say to mandra uh well i would say i've
3: enjoyed working with most of them they're they're all creative people and um, they tend to have a creative response to um a heritage sonnets sometimes which have challenges that you might not find in the gallery space and so on and i think i think that's been really interesting i mean i i can't say that i have a favorite i mean you you've mentioned martin martin is a delight to work with and we first worked with him with the great boxing booth revival uh, i've worked with him because i was the sort of lead on uh, the work he did at uh, Salt saltworks in cheshire where he worked with the young people creating a dance piece that responded to this old salt works in cheshire and he was great he's he's just really good to work with And actually, another project quite close there was, um, and that was quite challenging for the Arts Council because there was an artist, Magnus Quaife, who decided at Portland Basin Museum to um, create a new beer. Right now, you know, is that art or is it not? You know, the Arts Council, the I think the relationship manager at the Arts Council at at that time um, was a bit concerned about this. But what he did do was engage a huge number of the local community a lot of whom were out of work and a lot of them were men and out of work in the project and they had a whale of time and I remember going to the opening and it was one of those nights that I was driving and you could barely see out of the you know window of your car because it was lashing down with rain it was a storm and I thought I'm going to be the only person at this opening and I go into the museum a small museum in Ashton-under-Lyme and it was absolutely packed. And you just think, well, you know, there's this artist work with the local community, actually engaging with the museum and it's sort of achieved what it set out to do, so.
1: Yeah. That was a good one. You've mentioned how lucky you've been that some artists have responded so well to the places they're working with, but I don't think you should underestimate the, the ability that the two of you have to be to form a connection to our places very quickly and to be empathetic to them and to understand them. And I suppose just with the artists, which of the heritage sites that you've worked with have you felt um, have you enjoyed the most, or that you felt the most challenged, or have got the most out of working with? Oh
2: gosh, that's again, that's a bit tricky. I mean, it, 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 they're all they've all got such wonderful. They've got great qualities I don't think I've ever been to one that I thought oh no this won't work although maybe I'm just not remembering. No I, I don't think so because I think Lucy they're all
3: so different and I think that's where the excitement comes you know Judith and I would be asked to go somewhere or we'd you know be doing a project and we'd go and visit a museum or whatever and you'd sort of go at it cold and you'd done a bit of desk research and found out a bit about it. And then you start listening to the people who are working there and maybe volunteers and so on, and start just looking as well and just absorbing the site. And then we would go away and we'd we'd have a sort of conversation about it and thrash it about a bit. And like you could do that, you could do that. And it, it just it just sparked ideas. And I can't remember a single place where we didn't have ideas. Some of the ideas weren't ever realised, Judith, were they? No, you know, they weren't. S- yeah. Some yeah. of perhaps yes. a little <laughs> too um, off the wall, but um, yeah. they never, yeah. I think,
2: didn't spark something. Lucy, what was the property that we met you at, the National Trust? Before? Bazzard Park. Now, that oh, was yeah. an extraordinary property that really we loved. and we I did. think I think we suggested various projects for that property that, which which didn't come about. But they were that was a marvelous, a a marvelous place. Um, very different. I think very in some shape or form. At some point, you should document the projects you
1: you imagined which were never realised because some of those are extraordinary and I, ho- I hope that they will in some shape or form be realised because having spoken to you about some of them in the past, they're amazing and as amazing as the things you have managed to realise but um, I don't want those things which have never actually come to fruition to be lost because they're some, of your, some of those ideas are incredible so we must think about how we record those too. Oh, another publication, <laughs> Timandra, another publication. The things that never came to be. And actually, funnily enough, in that interview, but also you just mentioned, Tim, about the staff and the volunteers that you've worked with. And you've taken an enormous role as mentors and in the training that you've given. And how important has that been to you and to Arts
2: and Heritage in what you've done? It's really important. It, it's I always feel um, that, you know, there's... We work with, with properties and we work, often work with the site star, uh, staff... Um in developing up a, a strategy or a project for them, and then um hoping that that that's delivered, but when we leave, there's the people on the ground that have yeah, to um that have to welcome uh, people into that and the and also be the spokesperson for the artists and so I feel a real responsibility actually for that and I've always worried about it, even in the early days at Bel say. I used to go and uh, very sad sound very sad individual but um I used to go back at weekends just to sort of lurk in in the in the <laughs> rooms to just to help if somebody's because sometimes heritage visitors do find it very challenging when they come across something that they're not expecting to see and and um I feel as there is a sense of re- responsibility to volunteers and and to staff who um uh, the operational staff and gardeners as you Tim Andrews mentioned gardeners yeah you know they really it's not it's outside of their comfort zones and sometimes and it's it's I find it it's really important for us us to support that to support those staff and to I mean it's,
3: it's quite interesting because in a lot of our programs we we take people out to meet artists and discuss art and talk about different things and these people can come from different backgrounds and as Jude said one of the projects we did with with National Trust which I think was the uh, you know what you were interviewing us for Lucy working with properties in the southeast of England with National Trust and as I mentioned, um, Standon, we had two gardeners. I think from Nyman's, it was the marketing manager. And, you know, from different properties, it was different people. And that was really interesting because you you got a different perspective from those different people. But as mm-hmm. Judith says, it doesn't matter, you know, one, you've got to get the buy-in from the the person at the top that they think that this is worth doing. But most importantly, if you haven't got the people who are meeting the audience the visitors on side then you know it's not going to go anywhere
1: very very important that
2: Mm, yeah
1: it is I think it's actually, the legacy of the first 10 years is extraordinary, but I think that bit, because all those people have gone out to other roles, either within the National Trust or other organisations yeah, yeah. you've worked with, you know, I still make use of that network as, as, as a small part of it, and I think that those, all those people have gone on with a different kind of understanding and passion for contemporary art and its position in heritage places and what that can do. Mm. It's an incredibly powerful thing, I think. So I think that might lead us on quite neatly to what you have hopes for arts and heritage in the future where would where would you like it to go what do you hope
2: for it's not for me to say lucy i have absolute full confidence in the new team and i think they they really i've got such confidence in them as working as a team and taking the vision forward but it's not my vision my vision has to st- has you know i i started well timandra and i we set it up in in two thousand and nine. It was a different time then we got a you know we had a, a relationship. it was just two of us. We had that relationship it 's a different landscape now and and arts and heritage has to go into the future uh, operating within a different within a very different set of um, uh, print, not principles a so different landscape i suppose is the only way I can describe it and and i think they're doing a really good job you know the support they're a sector support agency they're really doing a a brilliant job in in that role as well as curating and instigating new projects so i feel very happy to fade away into the background if i may or i may not i might still hang on but um you know it's the future you have to Future and change is good. Change is always good.
3: Yeah. What about you, Tamandra? I know. I I would echo that. I think um, you know, Arts and Heritage has grown from very small beginnings with Judith and I, sort of scrabbling around sometimes to get some money to enable us to do some projects, to where it is now. And I also, like Judith, feel confident. It's got an excellent, even though I'm still on it, but Board of Trustees who are driving it forward with Steph, the Executive Director. We've just gone out to recruit a Director of Projects to work alongside Andrea. And, you know, I think there's there's an immense potential in the future for Arts and Heritage. So like Judith, I'm hugely confident that having stepped back, as I have, that, um, you know, the next 10 years will be even better than the 10 years we had. However, I will say the 10 years we had were fantastic, Judith, and I wouldn't have missed them we've for the world.
2: S- no, we've had such a good time. And the stories we could tell about travel lodges <laughs> Well, that's another publication. It is, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but yes, Lucy, the Board of Trustees are fantastic. They're really supportive. And you've been there from the very beginning. Have you not? Not far off, yes, I think so. I've certainly enjoyed every
1: minute, and I think you have every right to be proud of what you've achieved, and I think the confidence that you have in it going forward is testament to the foundations you built, which I think were really strong and really right. And although you are passing the baton, I hasten to add that I hope you don't fade away in any shape or form, but though you are passing the baton, I similarly have exactly the same confidence but i think it's because of of what you started and you created and the strength the framework in which you set it and all that strength so thank you so much it's
2: been an absolute pleasure speaking to it's you it's been great thank you it's been thank great. you Lucy. now i can thank have it can i have a gin and tonic now
1: <laughs> slightly surprised you haven't had a couple of <laughs> as someone who sat particularly at Judith's kitchen table but at, you know at, at, on many occasions and have put the worlds to rights. So I hope that at some time there'll be a work of art made from that, quite frankly. It should be well positioned as, as part of one. <laughs> yes, I think it should be, yes.
0: Thanks for joining us for this Arts and Heritage podcast. You've been listening to co-founding directors of Arts and Heritage, Judith King and Tamandra Nichols. This episode was hosted by Lucy Porton and produced by Tim O'Donoghue and Kiki Claxton. To hear more about Arts and Heritage, sign up to our newsletter at artsandheritage.org.uk. Thank you for listening.